the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Andrea K Show. She's blonde, five foot two, and one hundred two pounds of dynamite in a dress. Here she is, Andrea K. Welcome to tonight's Andrea K. Show. It is Tuesday. It is Tuesday. I guess we don't have any like we we ain't got no special sound effects for y'all. What eat tacos? Hey, eat tacos. What you think we we're gonna like hype y'all up with something special every day of we the week? We need a crunching sound effect for Tuesday. <laughs> hey, it's a good day because y'all recognize that voice. Guess who's back with me? He was gone for a few days. Uh, but DJ Potato Skins. A warm welcome back home. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mr. President. Well, thank you for coming back to me. Not that DJ uh, Jalapeno didn't do a good job. Um, but anyway, we've got a lot of ground to cover tonight. It is exploding. We've got rallies here in San Diego that are on behalf of the Palestinian youth. we got to talk about that. The rise of anti, uh, anti-Semitism anti in this country and on college campuses. We're going to touch on that tonight. We've also got to talk about the rise in attacks on Asians. Uh, the, the Democrat-controlled House passed the anti-Asian crime bill tonight. Well, we've actually got first time on the Andrea K. Show. We've got Kenny Zhu, who is the author of and uh, the host of a podcast, both of which are titled An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. I'm super excited to, to talk to this young man because, it, you know, reading between the lines on that title, uh, that's really the fight for this country. It's really the fight for communism, which is equal outcomes and the equal spread of misery and mediocrity, or, or whether or not we're going to continue to be a country that values individual achievement based upon individual work ethic and guaranteed opportunity, not outcomes. Um, shocking news have been coming out regarding our military. So, and the, and the news just continues. So I reached out to one of our favorites here on the Andrea K show, Colonel Schlichter, Colonel Kurt is going to be here. Cause you know what? Patton is still in the grave. So I couldn't call upon the great one. So the second best thing is Colonel Kurt Schlichter. And he's going to be here to talk about how broke in the military is from their wokeness. So we've got uh, lots to talk about tonight. Those topics and more, including some masking news and different stuff involving the Rona. Hey, I'd love to hear from you. 888-344-1170. Y'all should know this number by now. I, I say it every night of the week. 888-344-1170. If you want to weigh in on any of the topics of the day, if there's anything else on your mind. Breaking news. Speaking of uh, things happening, protest. Um, there are protests that are happening right now in North Carolina. It's like another day, another, in in case you don't even recognize the name Andre Brown, because it's just too many times this is happening. Another day, another dead young man, young black man, because he resisted arrest. So this case is a little bit different. 
Because in this case, we did not have immediately pushing out edited body cam footage, allowing for a false narrative to get steeped into the minds of Americans. The left did enough to try to lie and say that this man was shot in the back of the head as he was trying to flee from abusive cops. The laws down in North Carolina prohibited the release of of the footage. Um, The announcement today, the district attorney, Andrew Womble, said at a press conference that involving the deputy involved shooting of Andrew Brown, I think it's Andre, Andre, Andrew Brown, I apologize if I get the name wrong, that while the shooting was tragic, it was justified and that no law enforcement officers will be criminally charged in the case. To make a long story short, the attempt, uh, the attempted arrest of Mr. Brown was weeks in the making. This man was, um, he was Badger, right? If you followed Breaking Bad, you know, right? Uh, you know, uh, and unlike Badger, you know, ba- you know, uh, ba- Badger turned around and put his hands behind his back and got cuffed and, you know, went in and, you know, called Saul, right, to, to represent him. Now, what this young man did was he used his car as a weapon. A cop tried to, uh, tried to get him to open up his, his, his driver's side door and he ended up mowing into the cop. The cop's hanging off the hood of the car and then he, and then he backs up and no, he backs up first and then that's when he rammed one officer who ended up on the hood of his car and then he went for another one. And well, you know, a car is, you know, a, a lethal weapon, is it not? I mean, how many people get killed all the time with cops i mean with cars we had some homeless people get mowed mowed over on a sidewalk recently in san diego because of a drunk driver so this man not only resisted arrest he used a lethal weapon his automobile as as a, a weapon against the police officers who had every right in that moment to shoot him People are saying, well, you know, he wasn't armed. He didn't have a gun on him. He didn't pose any threat to the cops. Yes, he did. He was literally in the process of trying to mow cops down. I guess I guess he was supposed to be allowed to just run off and they would just try to, you know, quietly apprehend him at a Starbucks sometimes down the road. So what? They're supposed to give him an opportunity to go and get a gun that he's then going to use on the cops. They did the right thing. Then, of course, after they shot him and, and according to these reports, he was not shot in the back of the head. That was a lie. They tried to render aid and he passed away. So he was he was at fault. What we should be telling the Black Lives Matter movement instead of protesting in the streets, what they should be telling young black men is to not commit themselves to a life of crime. And then if they if they end up being arrested to cooperate, to cooperate, save your life, especially if you believe that cops have it in for you. Why would you why would you continue to make them seem like they're, they're not doing anything wrong when they resist arrest? The only reason why you would continue to send that message would be if you really wanted these young men to continue to die so that you've got so that you've got some agenda that you can push for money. That's what's going on there. Um, in regards to the. Rise of anti-Semitism in this country. You know, it just it goes back to 9-11, right? Hashtag never forget. Don't tell me you 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 don't ever use hashtag 9-11 again. I don't think anybody should at this country, right, at this point. When we when we have Congress people, all levels of our government accusing, particularly Congress people, some of which are on the Foreign Affairs Committee, accusing our greatest ally of engaging in terror and defending actual terrorist organizations. I guess there was some big showdown on a tarmac somewhere with Rashida Tlaib, who who draped herself in a Palestinian flag on the night she was elected into office. This is the same woman who called my president an MFR, right? 
That's who she is. Well, I guess she she dressed down Biden today. And there's calls on Biden to tell, you know, that Biden needs to go and tell Israel to knock off the airstrikes. Israel is defending themselves. I saw an exchange here in UCSD. I was on Newsmax this morning and there was a topic that had to do with, you know, the rise of anti-Semitism on the campus. Well, it's easy to see why there's a rise of anti-Semitism on the campuses, right? Because we know that our colleges and universities are Marxist indoctrination centers. So uh, they and I've been talking about this for a while. The Democrats long ago decided to partner. That's why they're happy to have Ilhan Omar in Congress when she's out there raising money for care, a front group for Hamas, have Rashida Tlaib and all these people, because they know that what do the Marxist and the communists and the Democrat Party, what do they have in common with the Islamist? Islam is a political ideology first that hides behind a religious component. What they have in common is Marxism, the idea of a centralized government. Controlling your life, right? So that's why in college campuses, one of the things they're teaching is a pro-Palestinian, anti-Israel agenda and propaganda. And I saw an incredibly disturbing video here in San Diego, Skins. It was um, David Horowitz was representing YAF, which is, I think it's Young Adult uh, Foundation. It's it's a conservative group, kind of like a kind of like a, a Turning Point USA. So he's giving a speech and he's confronted by this woman who's who's a student who's part of the MSA, which is the Muslim Students Association. So she's being very antagonistic to Mr. Horowitz. And he's like, first of all, do you condemn Hamas? Well, I can't say if I condemn them, because if I answer, you know, I'm going to be arrested by DHS. And he goes, well, basically, if, if, if you refuse to condemn them, then you're saying that you support them. Right. So he says, let me ask you to you this way. He says, I'm a Jew. And he said the head of Hezbollah said that he was happy and he would love for all the Jews to congregate in Israel because that would make hunting them down so much easier. And he said, do you agree or disagree? And she said, I agree. This was three days ago on the campus about a mile and a half from here at UCSD. She's still she's still a student in that school. You know, being friend or foe of Israel is very biblical and people better watch their steps and words. That was the claim. That was the claim of a domestic uh, uh, of an Islamic terrorist right there. She should have been arrested by DHS. No, what do we have going on in this country right now? We have the Democrats, the foreign, uh, the House Foreign Affairs Subcommittee for Middle East. The only hearing that they're having this month has nothing to do with Hamas and, and how they're how they're attacking Israel. No, it's about the now the and you didn't even hear the skins. Now they're saying that the greatest transnational threat to the world is white identity terrorism. You didn't also didn't hear because you were out the story of the commanding officer for the Space Force who was who was relieved of duty. You might have heard this. He no, was, I did see that in my email. Yeah, he was relieved of duty because he dared to call out how the FBI and uh, the DOJ and, and the Pentagon were now pushing what happened to January 6th as the extremist threat that we face as a nation, as well as on top of the critical race theory, which he says is a Marxist agenda. So we have a commanding officer of one of our forces who was removed because he's anti-Marxist and he's anti-racism in terms of identifying white MAGA Trump supporters as the terrorist threat that this country faces. We're in deep doo-doo, man. Should be easy to see as clear as day what is going on here. It should. Um, You know who always brings the clarity? Our man, Colonel Schlichter. We're going to take a break. We come back. Colonel Schlichter, attorney, retired colonel, senior writer for townhall.com will be here to give his perspective on our woke military. So y'all don't go away. 
Be sure to follow Andrea Kay on Twitter at Andrea Kay Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea Kay. Spelled K-A-Y-E. You're listening to somebody who tells it like it is. Andrea Kay on The Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea Kay Show. Glad to have you guys here with me. 888-344-1170. As I said at the open of the show, due to the unavailability of General Patton, I had to go to my second favorite man to talk all things military and the craziness that's happening here. But make, but make no mistake, Patton is trying to claw his way out from the grave. Our people are talking to his people. Yeah, um, Patton is trying to claw his way out to pimp slap some people over what's happening in our military. Make no mistake about it. Here to discuss this is senior uh, writer for townhall.com, attorney extraordinaire, and retired colonel in the Army. And, of course, I'm referring to Colonel Kurt Schlichter. Hello, my friend. I am here. How are you doing? Well, I'm good. Um, I'd be even better if I if I felt like I still had a United States military that understood its mission or, or shared the mission of what it was supposed to always be about and didn't didn't consider me um, the greatest threat. I mean, what the huh? Schlichter? Well, you you don't have a military leadership that does any of those things. You have a military leadership that is a joke. And it's a joke in poor taste because it not only is going to get people killed, but it all, this kind of incompetence has already gotten people killed. Um, if you just look at the Navy, which has slammed ships into each other uh, on several occasions, uh, you realize that these are no longer war fighting organizations, thanks to the people at the top. Uh, the troops are fine. The people at the top are a disgrace, Andrea. Um, they have not won a war for our country in 20 years. And, uh, uh, and it doesn't, and they don't seem, they don't seem to even care. But what they do care about is maybe you have mean tweets on your, on your social media and maybe you don't support the regime or President Asterisk. Or maybe you're an extremist or a racist. Well, or, or, or if you, or what they care about is whether or not you check all the boxes from that sad, pathetic, I don't know what was worse, worse, that CIA recruitment video or the army cartoon, literally the cartoon with this girl, Emma, and her, and her parent, her mothers and her mamas. And I'm like, what am I, am I watching Drag Queen Story Hour? What is this? What what am I being presented? What is, what, 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 who is the demographic that they're after? Do they think that aspiring uh, gender studies majors from Wellesley are going to look at that and go, yeah, I want to be an enlisted soldier in the uh, air defense artillery? I don't think that that's really responding to the people who tend to fight our wars. The people who tend to fight and win our wars are not spoiled, frivolous, rich kids or gender studies majors from Wellesley. They are primarily rural folks. Uh, middle class folks, tough folks from the, uh, uh, from the country, tough mm-hmm. folks from the city, mm-hmm. people who want to challenge themselves, people who want to fight. Now, of course, Emma, the Disney cartoon princess in camouflage, and, and, and I like how they draw her so she has that, that little squint when you know that the 110-pound uh, girl is about to pick up a sword in a Hollywood movie <laughs> yeah. and take on the 300-pound guy <laughs> and win. Um, you know, it's... It, Again, it's frivolous. It is not a serious military. 
Right. What I want is I want to see people that got a glint in their eye. I want to be afraid of somebody that's enlisted in the military. That's who I want. I, I like a time in the military where it was like, you want to go to prison for sh- for shanking somebody on the street or do you want to enlist and put some boots on? Well, you know, that's I, who I want I, in the military. Well, I was spoiled. I had uh, uh I, I got in. I enlisted in San Diego, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, then I went, to, went through basic training, went to Officer Candidate School. And I got to lead some of the greatest soldiers America's ever had. Uh, because at that time, I ended up in, uh, after my first active duty tour, I ended up in uh, Desert Storm mm-hmm. and our, our last major victory. And, uh, you know, I, I kept rising in the ranks. After I came back to California, I joined the Army Guard. I commanded in... Uh, 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 in San Diego County during the uh, 2007 fires. Mm-hmm. I had units at Kearney Mesa, sort of there a lot. Um, you know, so I'm very close to the whole San Diego area. Of course, I went to UC San Diego. But, uh, you know, I, these were great folks. Mm-hmm. And they were not identical folks. They all had different lines, but they had something in common. They were tough. Yeah. But they were also smart. They were strong, but they would also go out of their way to help people. I remember uh, when we deployed to Kosovo, my big pro- one of my big assignments there was to solve the post office problem, which was our troops would go out on patrol with automatic weapons, all that sort of stuff. Very tough, very scary. Never had to shoot anybody because people knew not to mess with them. But they would write home to their families and say, hey, I, I see a bunch of kids and they don't have school books. And then I would get 500 boxes of school books in our post office. Wow. This is the quality of our people. Mm-hmm. Great warriors, yeah. but real Americans who are out there to help people. Well, that's the, what, the basically what you just described was the American spirit. And now it's been yeah. flipped on its head. Now, now yeah. it's now those of us that are about America first, the traditions of America, because that's what MAGA was about, right? MAGA was about yes. returning America to its foundations, its Judeo-Christian principles and, uh, and beliefs and values and which was exemplified by our military. Now those are considered to be the extremist, um, as, dem- as displayed according to them by anybody who was anywhere near the Capitol on January 6th. So now we got a purge going. We've got a purge going in the military and we've got a purge going in our country as the FBI spends all day every day trying to round up anybody in a MAGA hat who's anywhere near the, D, uh, the, the yeah. rally on January 6th. Let's talk about the purge in the military. Who is this fool named Bishop Garrison? Well, apparently they've decided that they have so much money and resources in the military, they can waste on having a giant diversity and inclusiveness uh, uh, apparatus full of a bunch of hacks who whose entire job is to go out and ensure the ideological conformity of everyone in the military. Now, the military, you know, you, you would think, oh, it's a conservative or never. No, it's not a conservative organization. Generals have never been conservative. Generals like centralized power mm-hmm. because they exercise. That's all they know. Right. Uh, we conserve it now. The guard, uh, civilians, uh, you know, most of the time we're a little different. But in active duty, you got to understand it's a, it, it is a hierarchical organization where. You know, all the messiness that comes with democracy, like people making choices you don't like, that 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 frustrates and confuses senior officers on active duty for the most part. Um, There's an old saying that soldiers do what the commander checks, whatever your priority is, that's what's going to get done. 
because that's what the officers are going to make sure because you don't want the colonel coming down and saying, hey, I told you to maintenance, not PT, do maintenance. So everyone does maintenance. You know, that that's a two-edged sword. It's a problem when you have a situation like we have now, which is uh, a foreign poisonous Marxist communist ideology infecting uh, the military. Mm-hmm. And it can spread really fast because all you need is a general to say, well, uh, what's important to me is wokeness. Yeah. Well, then you're going to get wokeness. However, you can fix it. When President DeSantis gets in, fires all the generals and puts people in who say, hey, the priority is war fighting. The next day, the priority will be war fighting. Yeah, well, we that needs to happen pronto because what what many people we always had the belief that first of all our Second Amendment rights it's hard they're 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 trying to go after our guns from a variety of different standpoints that's that's really going to be e- e- even if they try to go after our ammo that's that's a tough push for them they've been trying to think about having to go after it for our red flag laws but my point is this we always believe that even if they could find a way to get our guns you know we understand that our Second Amendment was to protect us against an overreaching government. As Americans, we always believed that the U.S. military would be who would stand between us and that government. And I think what's freaking a lot of Americans out now is that they see the military being groomed to be um, the force against the citizens on behalf of the overreaching government. Your thoughts on that? Well, look, I, I think that's what they would like. I think they would love their own little SS. But they're not going to form a competent fighting force. They're going to perform, form a joke because you can't have it both ways, Andrea. You can't have a unserious military that spends all its time chasing its tail about microaggressions and also one that knows how to conduct high-intensity combat operations, mm-hmm. which are un- unbelievably complex and require actual skill, not just uh, uh, not just my grandfather came from X place, right? <laughs> which of course is the least important factor, right? In in in, in judging who should lead. Meanwhile, uh, CCP is now we're, we're no longer the biggest navy, right? We're we're, we're now oh, no no they're bigger they're bigger yeah yeah, um, yeah. so um, who. If you were to look at the the national security threats that we face, I know the Democrats are having a meeting this month about the transnational white identity terrorist movement that's happening. Um, how do you see? I mean, are you feeling right now like we got some time to figure this out and and take over if we can restore election integrity, or are you looking like, man, we got to be some nervous about Kim Jong over in NoCo? Well, and- no, no. We look if the it, 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 I have said before if Putin was a strategist, he'd have rolled into the Balkans. He'd have rolled into yeah. uh, uh, the parts of Ukraine he wanted. Because, because Biden cannot and will not do anything about it. You know, Biden just lifted sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. That feeds the Russian army. By pumping that that fuel, feeding Western Europe off Russian fuel instead of American natural gas, he's basically, you know... I've heard I heard for years and years how Trump and Trump supporters like me, who was literally in the Cold War and literally knows how to take on a Russian motor rifle regiment. Um, Trump were, was, were, yeah, we were, were all supposed to be the Putin puppets. Yeah, we were all supposed to be yeah, the Putin yeah. puppets. Yeah. And now here we got Biden yeah. uh, helping Putin out with the oil at, at while we've got gas. We have. Did you tweet today? Was that you that a gas station is out of gas in, in L.A.? 
Uh, no, that was somebody. Uh, no, I retweeted somebody. I haven't seen that yet myself. But uh, I'll tell you, I was half full this morning. Uh, got out of the gym, went and filled up. Not, well, yeah. All right. You heard it here. Schlichter says his, 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 that uh, to go and fill up your gas tank. Uh, all right, Schlichter, what are you, are you working on? Any, any new articles on Town Hall before we let you go? You got anything people need oh, to read? I got a, oh, I got my VIP article coming out tomorrow. Uh, that's pretty woke. And I got another one Thursday. It's super woke, too. I just can't remember what it was. Okay. <laughs> they all blend together. <laughs> well, that's the beauty I'm of wokeism, right? That's the beauty of wokeism. It's not relying on any principle, right? It can morph. You don't even have to remember it from one day to the next. You can just make it up exactly. as you go along. All right, Kurt Schlichter, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Thanks, Andrea. All right, now stay tuned because we got more wokeism happening. We got to talk about uh, the Warren Asians. Uh, the House passed their anti-Asian crime bill today. We're going to discuss uh, the Warren Asians with Kenny Zhu. I think uh, hopefully I'm pronouncing his name right. He's author of An Inconvenient Minority: The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. Want more Andrea K? Follow her on Twitter at Andrea K Show and like her Facebook fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K A Y E. A K Dynamite and Address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, she's on the Answer San Diego. Welcome back to tonight's Andrea K Show. Breaking news to, uh, this evening: the Democrat-controlled House passed. An anti-Asian crime bill tonight that was involves reviewing COVID-related hate crimes. I don't I don't know how you, you know I've seen all these different videos the past few days. My our friend uh, All American Jen Jennifer Kearns has been retweeting and she's been tracking uh, documentation of hate crimes against Asians this past week. I mean they're not screaming this is for COVID. So the, you know I don't know I don't know how this bill is going to address anything. My guest might have an answer for that. But at a time in which the House is supposedly addressing the rise in Asian hate crimes, there's a rise in discrimination against the Asian community. And my guest tonight is Kenny Shu. He's the author of a new book, An Inconvenient Minority, The Attack on Asian American Excellence and the Fight for Meritocracy. And he is the president of Colorist United, which advocates for a colorblind society. That ain't what this critical race theory and diversity movement is all about. Hi, Kenny Shu. Welcome to the Andrea K. Show. Hi, Andrea. It's great to be here. Thanks so much. Thank you. Um, I don't know if you had an opportunity before the show, since it's breaking news, to see about this House uh, bill that they passed, an anti-Asian crime bill. Have you had a chance to review it? Any thoughts on it? Um, yes. The I saw I saw what happened with the anti-Asian crime bill and everything like that. Um, it, it seems like it's it's going to create more of a federal involvement in the tracking of hate crimes and the labeling of hate crimes. Now, obviously, uh, you know, most crimes are motivated by hate. What does a hate crime mean? A hate crime means that somebody is specifically targeting someone because of their race or gender uh, or protected class. And unfortunately, some of these cases are, are quite blurry. We still don't know if the Atlanta shooter was an actual hate crime or not. And the fear is that they're going to that people would use this designation of the word hate crime mm-hmm. to be associated in a way that 
um, that that does not really befit the situation. So that's my issue with it. Well, yeah, I mean, I've been speaking out against hate crime legislation for many years because it, it defies logic and common sense and reasoning. There's, you know, um, it's mind reading and it also elevates some victims as more important uh, than others. And so, for example, you mentioned gender. If a woman is beaten up in, by her husband, is that considered a hate crime? I know it's domestic violence. I think this is about um, I think this is about cover for the real uh, crimes against the Asian community, which I, I feel like you, you die. I haven't had a chance to read your book, but the, the title of, of the book tells me um, that you see it the same way I do. I think the real crime against the Asian community right now is in the form of discrimination. Do you agree? I, I think I think so, too, as well. There's There's so much evidence right now. There's abundant evidence that. You know, when we talk about anti-Asian discrimination and anti-Asian bias, um, the Ivy Leagues right now, elite colleges just, uh, who are, of course, governed by people who claim diversity and tolerance and inclusion actually practice very intolerant practices against Asian Americans. Asian Americans have to get 440 points higher on the SAT. They have the same chance of admission to Harvard as a black student. Um, and this is unfair. This is this is unconstitutional. This is not what our country was founded upon. You know, our, our country um, was founded upon the idea that you can come from any, anywhere in the world and you'll be treated on your merit, on what you can bring to the table, not on your background. That's what made America such a great country. And I, I'm willing to stand by that idea. And that's why I wrote this book, An Inconvenient Minority. Well, I, you know, if I'm right about the Harvard case, it's been a while since I studied it. I do education segments every Friday. I've been deeply concerned for years now about how our every level of our education system has been turned into indoctrination centers. But if I remember right, the way in which they were able to downgrade the scores of the applicants for Asian communities was something so um, insulting, so demeaning. It was to downgrade Asian students for their personality. Yes. Yeah, this this is this is the, this is the twist of it. This is what makes the case not merely just another Supreme Court case, but a national story worth a national reckoning. Um, Harvard's use of the personalities, Harvard grades people on academics, extracurriculars, and personality. And Asian Americans, of course, score much higher uh, than other races on academics and extracurriculars. But where Harvard gets the ability to discriminate against Asian Americans, they use these stereotypes against Asian Americans. They say Asian Americans have lower personality. They have lower likability, lower humor, um, and those kinds of things. Um, it's, this is devious. This is devious, and it's happening right in the halls of the elite uh, right now. You can see Harvard's ideology being transferred across businesses and media and government and all over now. I look at this and I think that this is this is ultimately what we see going on against the Asian community is really about what's going on in this country and the battle for the soul of America because it is a, it is a battle against those that want enti- that feel entitled to, to have outcomes guaranteed for them through through um through at all of our different systems versus a community which has it, it, it which focuses on achievement and and a merit-based system and because i've been thinking about why the attacks on the asian community when when i see all these videos and these attacks the, the it's primarily or, or the the largest number uh, the largest group that's committing acts of violence against asian the asian community are black americans 
let's be honest and have an honest conversation. And I've been wondering, is it jealousy because of the level of success in this one uh, segment of of our society? Or is it really about we got to stop this one culture from being so achievement oriented because they're really not in line with our agenda, which is not about achievement. It's not about merit. It's about guaranteed outcome. Yeah, it's it's. Well, you know, there's been a lot, there's been tension between the, uh, you know, Asian Americans and black Americans before, uh, back in Los Angeles in the nineties, um, you know, the rapper ice cube, uh, had a verse in black in his song, black Korea, that he said, you better raise your hand up to the fist or we don't want you turning our neighborhood into black Korea. Um, and this, that was directed a direct shot at the Korean immigrants at the time who they perceived were taking over the businesses were, uh, you know, exploiting the, the black community and everything like that. Um, and so there, there's been a history of tension and I do not want tension. I do not want racial tension in, in America to exacerbate the issue with this, what's going on with Harvard's division of people into races. And now with critical race theory in our classrooms is that it's becoming increasing races, becoming increasingly, not decreasingly, increasingly important as a method of definition as a method of treatment in this country um, that is that is deeply worrying, and that's why I started the group Colorist United to found a race-blind society. Well, I mean, clearly the identity politics is about division and it's about fostering hatred among the different groups and then telling each group that they're, they've been victimized by the evil conservative traditional Americans and vote for us and, you know, you'd be rewarded. But you mentioned specifically the fight for meritocracy. That to me is ultimately the battle. That's ultimately the battle about, uh, about the future of this country, one that's based on communist principles of everybody has the same outcome. And if you follow history, you know that that outcome is just the the, the equal um, uh, transference of mediocrity versus some people can, you know, end up being Bill Gates. And some people, you know, are, are going to have more than they're going to have the haves and the have nots because it's going to be based on a merit based system. How do you address that in the book? I think that uh, you're right. Part of what I wrote in this book and the subtitle is the attack on Asian American excellence and the fight for meritocracy. What's really going on uh, is that there is a larger, broader attack on excellence in this country uh, because you have these people who are motivated, politically motivated to tear the top group down, to tear the people who are being academically excellent down in gifted and talented high schools right now, I just wrote an article. You could read it on the daily signal um, about this idea of inclusive math. And they want to attack the students who are doing better at math by, by getting rid of gifted classes for math. So now they don't want students. They want all students going down to the low end, lowest common denominator. Yep. Because it makes them feel better. It makes it's a so-called more inclusive environment. Uh, it's not the environment that we need to go in as as a country. It's it's anti excellence when we're competing against China in a tech war. You know, we we do not want mediocre students. We want the best students. So we need to have policies that encourage the best and the brightest to achieve. Absolutely, and we need to and we need to encourage that by by um, having any institution uh, that's like Harvard or anywhere else that's discriminating against applicants. You know, um, on the basis of race, that needs to stop. I can't wait to read the book. It it is called "An Inconvenient Minority: The Attack on Asian American Excellence in the Fight for Meritocracy." Uh, Kenny Shu, thank you so much for being here, and thank you for writing this book and bringing attention. You're right; this should be much more of a national story uh, than it is. And I thank you for raising this awareness. 
I'm glad to be on here. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right. Now, stay tuned because we got to shift gears. We got to talk about a plan in New York City that I think DJ Potato Skins is not going to be happy about that involves restaurants and vaccinations. So stay tuned. Be sure to follow Andrea K on Twitter at Andrea K Show. And follow her on Facebook and like her fan page at Andrea K. Spelled K-A-Y-E. A-K, dynamite and address, or just Andrea K. Whatever you call her, don't call her fake news. It's the Andrea K Show on The Answer San Diego. Okay, Skin, so uh, in New York... What their plan is for restaurants is uh, new guidelines is that uh, starting Wednesdays, if restaurants require proof of vaccination, customers don't need to social distance. And uh, if a restaurant does not check for vaccination, then six feet of social distancing is still required. Um, there's even some restaurants thinking about going to just uh, fully, fully vaccinated where only the fully vaccinated can show up. Um, I was on Newsmax today and there was this attorney on there and that the question was, you know, is this legal? And he, of course, dodged the question as to whether or not it was legal to do this. Did. Yeah. And started talking about how this is for public health or whatever. And, it, you know. Uh, you know, as as I listen to him, Yan Moran, you could like see the steam coming out of my Segregation. ears. Segregation. Right? Right. And I just and, you know, my argument was, you know, I, I, I don't know whether or not this is legal. I don't think we have faced this, 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 it, it, this situation. I don't think they, that it's been looked at in terms of constitutionality uh, at this point. But, you know, it should be illegal. We what we need is we should have every Republican controlled state legislature legislature should have already done uh, legislation that prohibits medical discrimination by businesses. Just another thing to ask anybody that's running for governor here in California. Right. You there it should be against the law for you to demand that I get vaccinated to come in and patronize your business. It's none of your business that I do. We don't right now you, you it, who remembers when they came out with the vaccination for HPV, which is a sexually transmitted disease that can cause cancer? We're not requiring people to show proof of that. Don't, you don't get to go to this college if you can't if you don't prove that you were uh, vaccinated by this at 13. You might give somebody HPV here at college. We don't do that. What I said on the show today was, you know, the same people. Yammering, hysterical that the Supreme Court is going to hear the abortion case out of Mississippi because, oh, somehow they read the tea leaves in the Constitution that says what you discuss with your doctor is private and her body, her choice are the same people that think that this is okay. How about if we had a restaurant that segregated or a church that said we want to put that women who've had an abortion on one side of the room and others on the other side of the room or any other disease? Oh, you've had TB. You don't get to sit near anybody else. How would that go over? It wouldn't, just, right? Uh, end of the line, it's just none of your business. It's nobody's business. It's a violation of, of HIPAA. And it's still, and, and, and I concluded my comments by this is just all more proof that this is not about any public health. This is about, this is about people control. Because you know what? It should be my right. I have to go about society in San Diego taking the chance that I'm going to come in contact with some third world disease that's coming across the southern border. We have whooping cough now. We have babies dying of whooping cough here that's, that's come back and resurgence. Oh, wait, are they shutting down the country? Right. We're not shutting down the country. We're not segregating. No, we, we, we're not segregating people coming in across, you know, we, we don't check and make sure that somebody's been tested for TB before they get on an airplane. This is and and will always be about people control. This has nothing to do with public health. And I'll say it again. If you want me 
to be, you know, this is about trying to finally force collectivism to change America from being about individualism, individual freedom, individual choices to be that my choices affect everybody else. Well, you want me to be in to uh, my behavior be uh, be uh, restricted on the basis of your health. Well, then I get to have some control over your health. Don't tell me. To stay out of your uterus and to stay out of your ovaries. There's and I, no and, difference. And yeah, and I don't get to have any say so. Not only not only do I not get to have any say so on whether or not you risk your life or kill your unborn child, but I got to help pay for it. But then, but then you you got the right to demand from me that I wear a mask somewhere that I go. Let me and let me tell you. We have become so completely neurotic. There are people now that are saying, well, you, I can't give up my mask. I can't give up my mask. I, I, don't, I don't know that I'm comfortable giving up my mask. Do they want mine? Well, you know, it, it, again, if, if you, it just goes to show the psychological damage that was done to the American people. They continued to propagate and still continue to propagate the lie that every human being has the same chance of getting it. Every human being is going to get it as equally bad and, and has the, and has a high chance of dying from it. And none of that is true. Even now with the CDC saying, that you don't have to wear a mask if you've been vaccinated because kids aren't vaccinated. They still want to vaccinate. They still want a mask on kids. Kids don't get it and they don't give it. There's this big push by the Biden administration to reopen schools that no, it's not reopening when kids are still being terrorized and traumatized and abused in the form of masks in the form of six foot distancing and in the form of vaccination demands. That's not reopening. Uh, here in California, I don't know if you've heard the latest. Um, they are going to say uh, they're going to w- wait until June 5th. June 15th, I think, is when Mussolini had said he was going to ease up the color coding. And that's when they will also remove the statewide mask mandates. I mean, I, I don't really wear one much. Or probably just for the mask or for the vaccinated, right? Yeah, but the, the the thing is, and and this is why Mussolini doesn't want to give it up, is because right now, I mean, what are they going to do? Park somebody at the door of Target to demand to see your vaccination papers? They're not going to do that. Legal. They they know they know what's going to happen. See, this is the problem for the left, is that Texas reported yesterday zero deaths. How many was that? Zero. Our largest state is that not st- the the largest state? Or is California I mean, the, the largest, largest state? Zero deaths. So and this was two months after Biden had said that's Neanderthal thinking like Texas is going to blow up. Everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to walk out of their house without a mask on and, and, you know, you know, immediately burst into flames and die. And it didn't happen. Deaths have gone down. It's been it's been almost non-existent in San Diego for almost a year. Right. But they don't want to give it up. They don't want to give up the control. Now, Fauci, I don't know if you heard this. A couple things from Fauci. Fauci admitted today that he has been wearing a vac- when he was asked, well, how come you were still still saying that people needed to wear a mask after vaccinations? But now the CDC just turned right around and said, well, you don't have to wear a mask after you've been vaccinated. He goes, I've just really been wearing a, wearing a mask after getting vaccinated, really for show. What does that tell you? That this has all been about show. This man is admitting, he's now admitted multiple times about lying about wearing masks. And you want to believe him on anything else he says? Yeah. Then on top of it yesterday, now he's shifting gears because they got to shift, right? Because as, as the evidence is there that we, that we don't even need to be mandating any, not only any masks, but any vaccinations. I mean, this was supposed to be 14 days to flatten the curve. 
And now it's like the pandemic is over, right? They got to shift gears. So Fauci is like now very few of these. He's talking about comorbidities. He's being forced to to admit that not everybody had the same chance of getting it and dying it. There's comorbidities. Now they got to shift into racism. And so he's jumped on the bandwagon of the, you know, critical race theory saying that um, basically saying that. Almost all relate to, he's talking about minority people and comorbidities, almost all relate to the social determinants of health dating back to disadvantageous conditions that some people of color find themselves in from birth regarding the availability of an adequate diet, access to health care, and the undeniable effects of racism in our society. Hey, I grew up in the same parts of the South as the people in the minority groups, and you know what? I ate the same fried foods, I ate the same bad diet, and when I got to be in adult i had to accept responsibility for it and now i can't eat everything batter dipped and deep fried okay more on that tomorrow thanks to kurt schlichter and kenny's you peace out Come on.